Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of uh, the Soul Talk podcast. I'm really excited and just thrilled with my uh, episode today. You know, each show seems to get more inspiring and Every guest, as you know, I try to bring on people that really I respect and that inspire me and that are really just having a positive impact on the world. And uh, every week seems to top the next week. And this week is no different. I'm very excited about my guest today. Uh, I've read her books over the the last decade and and haven't had the opportunity to meet her in person. So this is a first for me and I'm thrilled. It's a true privilege. I think uh, you're going to receive so much value, folks. So get your pen and papers ready. Uh, she's a New York Times best-selling author of several books, including Take Time for Your Life, Life Makeovers, Stand Up for Your Life, The Un- Unmistakable Touch of Grace, The Art of Extreme Self-Care. You can create an exceptional life with the amazing Louise Hay. Uh, I think her latest book, unless she's written another one between then and now, is Waking Up in Winter in Search of What Really Matters at Midlife. Uh, she's, she's, uh, in my mind, she's a legend. You know, She's been featured on the Today Show, CBS Morning uh, New York Times, USA Today, and of course, The Open Winfrey Show. You've probably seen her, you've maybe read her books. If you haven't, we are in for an amazing show. Welcome to Soul Talk, Cheryl Richardson. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Coop. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, I've seen you over the years and read your books. And so it's a, as I was saying, it's a, it's a true privilege and thrill. And just, just have so many questions I want to delve in and dive in. And, and just one of the first places I want to start, just to set a context as we just dive in, do a little deep dive, is especially for those that may not have read your work or your books, I'd love to just get a sense of, I'm always curious in terms of how, especially in this field, being in this field, how, you know, how folks began. I mean, what was your journey to doing what you're doing, becoming the president of the International Coach Federation and being on Oprah, being a best-selling author? I mean, was it, were you, did you grow up in that environment? Were you always spiritually inclined, you know, with a sort of a, a directive towards, self-help and self-development. I mean, how did you get started? How did that, how did that evolution happen? Tell me a bit mm-hmm. about that. Sure, sure. Well, I would say that from a very young age, I've always been introspective and um, interested in why I'm here, what life's all about. Um, you know, just, I guess, deeper. I had, uh, you know, ha- always had sort of deeper questions. And when I was about 19, I hired my first therapist, which was pretty a kind of a radical move back then. Um, wow. I was working in a I was working in a family business, and I knew that I, I I felt like I had the potential to do so much more with my life, and I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to you know what steps to take to realize my full potential. And 
that's what prompted me to make a decision to work with a therapist. There were no coaches back then. Coaching didn't really exist mm. except for in sports. And so um, that I'm so grateful when I look back, that really helped me mm. to, uh, you know, begin a journey of self-discovery and of understanding myself in, in a new and different way. And, and I've always been a voracious reader ever since I was very young. Um, I made it through high school by just, I made it through the early years of my life just by reading. Reading was my kind of the, the practice that I had that allowed me to enter different worlds. And, and so when I had gotten involved in therapy, it also kind of opened me to, there, was, there wasn't even a self-help section back then, but um, wow. I was interested in some some of the early spiritual writers of the late 1800s and early 1900s, like um, Emmett Fox and oh yes, uh, yes. Parma, yes Paramahansa Yogananda and um, Catherine Ponder and Florence Scovelshire. These are people in the early mm. 1900s. Of course, a lot of people have heard of no, um, Norman Vincent Peale or Dale Carnegie and yes. Napoleon Hill. And you know, I was interested in all of that kind of material and so I read all their books and and you know I, I loved books and I had been writing since I was 12 I started keeping a journal when I was 12 years old wow. so I considered myself I, yeah I considered myself a writer by the time I got to my early 20s because I wrote almost every day I just considered myself a writer I didn't need to have a published book <laughs> I just you know it was something I did so I thought well I'm a writer and as I got older and as I, uh, you know, as I began to understand myself and understand how my family of origin influenced who I was and how my ancestry had influenced who I was, it allowed me to, uh, you know, to, to begin to kind of look outside the box of my life. You know, I think all of us live within a box that we're often unconscious of. And one of the great things about self-discovery, self-help, therapy, coaching, whatever it might be, is it really helps us to see outside that box. And it's not until you can see beyond your everyday normal life, it's not until you can see beyond that you can actually not only, uh, that first of all, aspire to something different in your life, but then be able to actually go for it and achieve it. So um, mm. I, in my late 20s, I had, through therapy, I had left the family business, went out on my own. I had been a tax consultant, so I really understood numbers. I was very good with math and business, and I'd worked mm. in a family business. My dad was a tax consultant, and and so I would meet with people to talk about the intimate details of their lives because back then there were no computers. Computers didn't do tax returns. People did, and I got to know people, and I got to know some of the, the struggles they were faced with and the obstacles that they were dealing with in their lives, and I loved that part of my work. I just happened to be skilled at math, but my passion was for people. And so I made a decision when I left the family business to go out on my own, and I called myself a business counselor. I didn't know what else to call mm. myself. And I basically said that I was going to help people to grow their businesses by growing themselves. And mm. I did that because I saw consistently that what got in the way of people achieving the success they desired was their own um, stuck places, their own uh, lack mm -hmm. of evolution, you know, personal growth and evolution. And so mm -hmm. then it, it wasn't until my, you know, later, I think I probably 29, 30 years old that I was introduced to 
a man by the name of Thomas Leonard, who had been a financial planner, had been had been working with very successful people who were unhappy, and he started mm. coaching them to improve their lives in ways that made them happy beyond just acquiring wealth and success. And he developed the bones of a coach training program, and I was introduced to him. And when I saw the outline of what he had created, I knew that I wanted to be involved. He was doing what I was doing, but he was doing it in a much, much more effective way. And so mm. I, um, I enrolled in his coach training program around the same time that Tony Robbins had put out his personal coach 30-day program. Um, mm, mm. This was this wow. was you know pro- this is almost thirty years ago. Tony was yeah. really a, a pioneer in number one calling himself a coach and also um, putting out a program that you listen to every single day for thirty days and you did some kind of action. And I did his program probably mm-hmm. three times, and I loved his work. <laughs> I loved what he was doing. I learned a lot from him. I enrolled in coach training program back then. In order to become mm. a coach, um, I went through a three-year master coach training program, which doesn't even exist wow. anymore. And wow. so I was really, yeah, three years. I mean, you could either study uh, a personal coaching track, which was about a year, a, profession, a business coaching track, which was a year, or a master coach track, which was a combination of both. And it took me mm-hmm. about three years to complete the work, and I also... Um, had become a trainer and was training coaches and helping to develop the curriculum along with a, a 10 or 12 other coaches in the country who were, we were the, really the pioneers who sort of, Thomas launched mm. the profession of coaching and we mm. were the, the, the followers of his who, the, the colleagues of his who helped him to craft the curriculum and then bring this profession to the world. And that's where my coaching, yes. my coaching began. And, you know, eventually I would write books about the work. You know, my first book, Take Time for Your Life, was about the work that I did with clients, and mm-hmm. it all took mm-hmm. off from there. Wow. So wow. Well, I, just, I just firstly, I, I didn't know, I really appreciate that answer because I didn't, I didn't know some of that stuff in terms of how much of a, how you were involved in the beginnings of coaching because I look at coaching mm-hmm. now, and, you know, everyone is a coach. You know, the guy in Starbucks yeah. is a coach. And the Uber driver is a coach. And, you know, <laughs> grandmother's a coach. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, you can get certified uh, on, on YouTube in two hours. And, you know, here you I are know. at the beginning, like the, pie, the trailblazer, you know, 30 yeah. years ago, pioneering sort of. It's almost like I see you and people like Thomas Leonard out in the wilderness, you know, blazing the trails for a lot of us today who are coaching and just, you know, just, just enjoying the fruits of, of what's become available. So I just want to acknowledge you. And it's just, I can only imagine what it was like in the beginning at, at that time without much, you know, there's so much content now that we take it for granted. And so uh, yeah, yeah. it's really, well, it's, it's, that, it's, it's, it's really yeah. amazing. So every time, every time yeah. somebody asked me what I did, you know, I gave them a different answer. I described, you know, what I did as a coach. I, I was trying to figure it out myself. All of us were trying to figure out like, mm. how do we describe you know, there wasn't, oh. we were creating the material. There wasn't any material. Yeah, and it wasn't until, it wasn't until the mid, the late nineties when a magazine called new age magazine, which was considered the person, the self-help. Oh yes. The, I remember that. Yeah. A national self-help magazine did a story on my work and they called me a personal trainer for the soul. And I oh. loved that name. Like that pretty much said it, that, you know, I really mm. wanted to, 
you know, pay attention to what people's souls really needed and wanted in their lives, like what the soul had come here to do and who the soul, you know, how somebody could live a more soul-directed life. So I loved when they called me that, and it just um, it gave me a very simple answer awesome. <laughs> to what, what do you do with and the so I'm curious, as, as you were beginning, and I'm sure, you know, you saw many things as you were designing the curriculums and the content and what laid the foundation for a lot of the, you could say, transformational technology and ways of working for coaches today. Like, were, were there, I'm sure there were certain consistent things that you saw uh, may have, you know, kept people stuck. So I'm curious, what, what have you seen over the last 30 years that's consistent in terms of here are the things that, the core foundational things that keep people stuck that we have to, to face or deal with. And then what's, let's say, a, a first step or two that might be practical that, that people can do to start shifting if they're stuck in those, in those foundational areas? Well, it's a really good question. And, you know, it's, it's something that I get asked frequently in terms of, you know, what are the foundational issues and what's one or two things that we can do. And, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to take a step up and I'm going to take a higher perspective here for a minute and say, mm -hmm. the most fundamental thing that we can do is recognize why we're here on the planet. You know, we're not mm -hmm. here to, you know, buy an SUV, make a lot of money, get on television, uh, you know, put a million dollars in the bank. I mean, that's not why we're here. All of those things, whether it's, business, career, relationships, our health, you know, all of these circumstances are, of life are here as invitations to help us grow and evolve, to help us become um, just more awake and aware, more self-realized people. So I would say that the number one obstacle is a lack of self-interest, <laughs> a lack of self-awareness. Like, you know, the, the belief that somehow what's happening to you in your outer world is um, that you're at the mercy of what's happening to you. You know, you're at the mercy of the outer world. You're, you're at the mercy of your boss. You're at the mercy of your spouse or your partner. You're at the mercy of your kids who are making you crazy or the professor at college who, you know, isn't being fair about the grades. And so yes. when we recognize, and you know, I often, when I teach workshops, I, I often will start by just looking at the group very thoughtfully and letting all of them know, no one is coming to save you. Mm. Like no one. And really taking that in and recognizing that the step beyond that is, how will you get a PhD in you? What makes you tick? Mm. Where, where have you come from? What needs to be healed within you? What was your family of origin experience like and how did it shape who you are today and do you like that person and do you feel mm. good about that person is that person providing you with a sense of um, uh, peace and contentment in your life and if the answer is no and it is for most people then how about getting insatiably curious about you how about doing mm. whatever it takes to invest in your own growth and your own healing you know, for many, many years, self-help has gotten, has been made fun of and has gotten a bad rap. And, yeah. yeah but I, I often, I like to say that, listen, I would love to know that my lawyer is actually reading self-help books and working on his or her, himself or herself, right? Mm -hmm. I would like to know mm -hmm. that my doctor 
my doctor actually is interested in the connection between the mind and the body and how his or mm. her um, thinking and feelings and, uh, you know, intuition impact their lives so that they can bring that to their work. So it really is about recognizing I need to be first more focused on my inner life and less focused on the outer world. And we do, we typically live life opposite in the opposite direction. We're so focused on what's happening outside that we become um, addicted to managing that outside in a way to, in the hopes Mm. that we can manage our own internal state. And it doesn't work that way. It's actually the complete opposite. Mm. Does that make sense, Coot? Absolutely. So more focused on our inner life than simply trying to manage our outer life. And and I I love Mm -hmm. what you said about in terms of where we're here, that we're not here just to accumulate and materialize and, you know, get more stuff, but to, to really understand, recognize why we're here and to, to grow and evolve. I think that is, that is, that is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are at our core, we are all souls. We are really, we're Mm. all connected. We're all souls. Um, The mind is a servant to the soul, but for most people, the mind runs the show, which is a big part of the problem. And so, you know, because as souls, we need, to, we need to remember, we need to just constantly be returning to remembering who we really are. And the soul always, you know, the soul is here to experience life, pure and simple. The yes. soul is here mm. to experience life, to feel what it's like to swim in the ocean, to listen to the mm. rustling of leaves under your feet as you walk through the woods in the autumn to watch birds, you know, soar through the sky, to smell the, the you know, the smell of a, a wood-burning fire in the middle of winter, or to feel a warm breeze on your skin as you, you know, take a walk around your mm. neighborhood, and to feel the love. You know, I think this weekend I was at, a, I was at a, um, an event. I went to a, um, a retreat as a student to... Um, mm to study with a woman that I was very interested in studying with. And I ran into a dear old friend of mine. Uh, Joan Borsenko is her name, and she's a a very prolific writer. and Yes, an amazing writer, Mm -hmm. a great teacher, one of the smartest women on the planet that I know, and the biggest heart. And I hadn't seen her in a while, and we sat down and we enjoyed coffee together and, you know, catching up on each other's lives. And And we only had about 45 minutes together. And when we were done, we stood up and embraced each other, and she didn't let go of me. And she said to me, mm. I love you so much. You mean so much to me. And I'm so grateful that I could spend this time with you. And tears came to our eyes. And I felt this, I said the same thing to her. You mean the world to me. And I'm so grateful to have had this experience with you. And it was such a, a powerful moment. And when I walked away, I thought, you know, these are the moments. This is what the soul is here for, for deep connection, both mm. with, us, with ourselves and with each other. And that moment I will never forget for the rest of my life. And I could feel the kind of the fullness, the multidimensional fullness of being present here mm-hmm. on the planet in connection with somebody who means a lot to me. And I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, what I'd like to do, especially now as I've been teaching for a mm-hmm. long time. And as I move into my elder years, I'd like to really focus mm-hmm. on helping people to be more present for the beauty and the grace and the joy and the connection and the love that's all around them. How do you define, in terms of where you are at now, maybe it's evolved, but how do you define success today? Because, you know, so much of coaching and uh, at least 
aspects mm-hmm. of you know, self-help can be getting what you want, you know, the seven keys, yeah. get what you want, attain this, attain that goal. And, you know, I think what yeah. you are speaking to is, is something which, which is, I'm so excited to hear, is something much deeper, you know. It's just yeah. being yeah. authentic, you know, allowing yourself to listen to your soul and follow that evolutionary call of your soul and being present. So how do you see success? How do you mm-hmm. define success? today what's your well today i would yeah today i would define success as having the absolute choice to live however i want to live in any given moment i mean really Mm. that would be it so i want Mm. to be at choice in my life we all are at choice all the time by the way it's just that sometimes we have to make tough choices (laughs) and so we'd rather avoid the tough choices it's so much easier to think we are a victim of the world Generally speaking, yes. and there are people, of course, in very difficult situations where they truly are victims of, you know, um, of a crazy society or a crazy, crazy system, the patriarchal system. Um, mm. But I want to feel like I, I have choices in life and that at any given moment, I have a choice about how I'm going to live, who I'm going to interact with, where I'm going to be. Mm. Um, how I'm going to take care of myself. Now, I say that, Coop, but it's also really important to say that, you know, I've been around a long time. And my, for the first year of my coach training, which was, you know, almost 30 years ago, the first year was focused on my own self-care. And what that meant was building a strong personal foundation for my life, meaning I focused on creating both a personal and a professional environment that I could thrive in. I focused on building mutually, mutual relationships with people that were give and take, generally speaking. I focused on getting my finances in order, paying off debt, saving, starting a savings plan. Um, you know, a lot of the fundamentals of life I focused on. And I stayed with that. I mean, I've had coaches and therapists all my life. I'm a huge advocate for good therapy. I think most people, I, I've not met anybody who hasn't needed some kind of good therapy at all. And also, um, I've always had coaches and or therapists, so I've always been growing and evolving. And, um, and I've, listen, you know, I've, just like everybody else, I've strived for success. I've strived to, you know, make a lot of money and save a lot of money. And I wanted to have best-selling books and all of that. But at some point, I was really lucky. Very early in my career, I had a week of major disappointments that really brought me to my knees. And um, Mm. it looked like I was about to be catapulted to like massive layers of success and everything was canceled within one week. And, um, and, and of course I was devastated. I was supposed to be on Oprah that got canceled. The USA today was doing a feature story on my work. They had done the interview and everything decided not to run it. I mean, there were major things that had been booked when Take Time for Your Life came out and all of it fell through. And of course, I was really devastated and I was really pissed, quite frankly. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this was my chance. I was going to be, you know, I was going to get to the top of the mountain. And what it did was it brought me to my knees and it forced me to really look at how I was going to make being of service more important than being a star. And that was very early in my career. And I made a decision. I remember I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to God in my journal that basically said, Dear God, listen, after this week of disappointment, if I'm meant to just focus on my own spiritual development 
and to coach my clients as well as I possibly can to help them grow and evolve. If that's all I'm meant to do for the rest of my life, so be it. That's what I'll do. I mean, I truly surrendered, and I meant it. And it was a year Mm -hmm. later that the Oprah show called again and then invited me not only to come on for one show but to lead a year-long series. And I honestly believe, Mm -hmm. I I really believe this, Coot, that, the experience that the the personal experience I gained over the year before that happened, the yes. growth, you know, the commitment to being of service was so mm. deeply ingrained in me um, that I believe that's why I ended up doing spending a year on the show, and mm. and then my career took mm. off. Mm. And I think I it's so like, powerful, so yeah, powerful. What you, you just said, yeah. being of service. I really want everyone to really hear that because. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think especially today where the coaching industry has kind of exploded, I think more pe- a lot of folks are more interested in being stars than really being mm-hmm. of service and uh, more focused on marketing versus truly transforming lives. And so, yes. folks, if you're yes. listening in to this interview with the amazing Cheryl Richardson, please, 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 like, hear that. Be Being of service, make being of service more important than being a star. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How were you able to, to uh, like, in that time, actually surrender? Because I think a lot, some people might theoretically understand what you just said, but to actually yeah. go, to, like, was there, was there anything you did within yourself to, to, to embody and feel and come mm-hmm. to a true place of surrendering? I mean, what did you do? Because mm-hmm. it's okay, I surrender, but, but I'm still pissed off at God. And so yes, walk us yes, through that a yes. little bit. If someone is disappointed with maybe dreams not happening and, and they're not in that place of surrender, even though they know they should mm-hmm. be, what can, what, can they, what can they do? You know, it's, it's so funny, Coop, because it's not an act of will and it's not an intellectual mm. act. Like, think about it. Have you ever had a time in your life where you wanted something you know, desperately, you really were committed to something. You wanted to make something happen. And maybe you got close to having it happen. Could be a relationship, right? It could be, Mm -hmm. you know, healing from an illness. It could be success in some way, career-wise or business-wise. But have you ever had that point where you really wanted something that you couldn't have? And you just Mm -hmm. finally, it was clear to you, you weren't going to get this period. <laughs> and you, you had to come to terms with, like, have you ever had that experience? Can you think of something? When just, that's happened just a to few you? times, Cheryl, just a few times. For sure. <laughs> well, yeah, so then it happens. I mean, I mean, probably one of the easiest ways for us to think about it is in love relationships, right? Yeah, I can remember love, being yes, younger yes. and being, you know, I've been married mm-hmm. for a long time now, but I can remember when I was dating and you know, I can remember having a man break my heart and I, I mean, really break my heart, like just you know, decide on a whim that the relationship was over. And I was, I was devastated. I was, you know, I thought I loved this man and, you know, this, I thought we were going to be together. And suddenly he walked away. And as you know, you can't make somebody love you. Can't make them come back and be in a relationship with you. It was done. And I remember that was another pivotal time in my life where I was so devastated by that loss that it brought me to my knees. And I had to, Go inside. I had to reach for support, of course, but I also had to go inside and find a strength I didn't know I possessed. And I had to, that began a very powerful journey of building a, a loving, deep connection to myself. Now, 
I will say this, we, we want to get practical here because I am a practical gal. When I look at that example, um, you know, this man really wasn't good for me. The relationship wasn't good for me. And there's yes. a few things I did. I, um, I got myself into Al-Anon because this person, I think, had issues with drinking. And so I, I went to Al-Anon. It was free. You could go to Al-Anon meetings anywhere. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I took the brave step of walking into a 12-step meeting and sitting there and, you know, being afraid that people would recognize me. I mean, I wasn't a public person then, but just, you know, being afraid that like neighbors mm. or, you know, people I knew would be there, but I just went anyway. I also remember one of the most powerful things I did is I made a list in my journal of every single reason why I knew I shouldn't be with this man. Every rotten thing mm. he had ever said or done or whatever, I just made a list so that when I felt tempted to kind of give in and or, or to maybe consider, you know, Going back to him, I'd go back to my journal and I'd read that list and it would remind me, no, this, this man is not deserving of you, you know, and I made connections with a couple of people through Al-Anon and I got myself into therapy. And I, and I, and I remember saying to the therapist, here's what's happened. I was with this person for five years. He just dumped me. My heart is broken. I think it's my heart that's broken. I'm not sure. My ego's certainly broken. And I need to figure out how to love myself enough that I will never, ever settle for that kind of behavior in a relationship. So that began that journey that we started talking about, which is I'm going to get a PhD in me and in healing and become insatiably curious about myself and my own, I'm going to be committed to my own growth as a woman, as a woman Mm -hmm. of integrity, as a loving woman, as a smart, strong, you know, um, talented woman, like I just was going to build that relationship with myself. So surrender, it's really when you get knocked down and you can't, you can't worm your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of it. You can't convince your way out of it. You are at the bottom in some way. That's when you have your greatest opportunity for surrender. It's, it's almost like this. Surrender happens to you. You don't surrender. It takes you over. I guess that's really what I would say. Surrender mm. so happens to you. Mm-hmm. Let's digest that. Let's digest that. You know, I, I sometimes say yeah. something like not getting what you want is, is, is often kind of grace of the universe. And uh, yeah. sometimes it's only yeah. in, in, in retrospect that we recognize that. So I'm, I'm now wondering, you kind of brought up a, a thought, is, is talk to us about the intersection perhaps of, let's say, um, like how much of, of life are we in control over? You know, because I think there's all of talking like you make a reality, you control life, you're, you're 100% in control of everything that happens to you. And so I'm curious <laughs> as you're talking, because I, I love, you know, for me, I've, you're talking my language in terms of surrender and, and just life unfolding. And so how much of life do we actually control in terms of your observation, mm-hmm. your experimentation, your, your life experience? I mean, you're, you're a coach who... You've helped people sort of manifest and create and in many different areas. So how much of life do we actually control? How much is our own effort? Are we really in control of our own reality Mm -hmm. and everything that happens? Um, How much is, you know, how much is just grace? How much is is just, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say destiny, Cheryl, but, you know, because the deeper I go, it's almost like I, I, I sometimes see, like, many of the best things that happen to me just happen. I could not even, I didn't even plan them to happen. You know, I look at the, yeah, your example yeah. with the Oprah show and, you know, you had this idea mm-hmm. of 
USA Today and Oprah show is going to happen. And it didn't happen. And then you surrendered, went through your year process of preparation. And, and then the next year, boom, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're yeah. on more than you thought you were before. So yeah, what's about yes, that? Yes. You know, I, Control, I surrender, could, destiny. A, yeah, it's a really good question that I don't have an answer to. You know, it, here's what it makes me think of. It makes me think of um, a couple of years ago, um, my husband and I lost our cat. We had this cat. We had, mm. we had adopted a cat from a shelter, you know, 12 years ago, and we loved this little being. It was my husband's first time having an animal as an adult man, and it was our first time having an animal together. I love animals. I'm passionate about them. And so we had this little cat, and we took really good care of him. He was a gray cat, and we named him Poupon, so gray Poupon. And um, I fed him all the right food. You know, he, we exercised him regularly. Um, you know, just took, did, did all the things you're supposed to do to take good care of an animal. And he died at 10 years old, which is very, you know, you know early for a cat. And we were devastated, really devastated. I mean, talk about surrender. You know, grief brings a whole other yeah. level of surrender. I bring up that story because... Um, the biggest part of my devastation, along with just the loss of this physical being and, you know, they, animals just weave themselves into the daily fabric of our lives because they're with us all the time. And, um, the, but the, the, one of the big lessons that I had to confront over the first year, especially of grieving him, was how little control I had over life. I have control over my body mm-hmm. in terms of I can lift my arm right now. I can say, Cheryl, lift your arm and I can lift my arm. I have control over yes. getting myself to the gym to work out. I have control over the food I put into my body. I don't have control over the health of my body. I mean, I, you know, there's, mm. there's stuff going on inside my body that I don't have control over, but I, I certainly can, I can do my best to sleep well and eat well and move and be mindful and have loving connections and things like that. Um, but, you know, when we lost our little cat, it really, it forced me on a bigger level to confront the reality that none of us know when we're going to die, right? This could be my last conversation, mm-hmm. my conversation mm-hmm. with you. Um, this could be my last day. As a matter of fact, I have a practice where I often, every now and then I'll be driving down the street and I'll say to myself, Show, if this were your last day on earth, would you be happy with how you're living it? Or... If this were your last week, sometimes I'll sit down. I do this, mm. you know, regularly, Coot. I sit down, I look at my mm. calendar, and I say, Cheryl, if this were your last week on earth, would you be happy with what your schedule looks like? And I have been known to mm. literally cancel four or five things that week because, no, I wouldn't be happy. That these, I, I, wow. I, you know, I, I, I'm not looking forward to that. Now, again, I mean, I'm going to be 60 years old this week. So I've, I've had a long, mm. full career, and I've arrived at a point where I can be I've, I've taken good care of myself and my finances so that I can be more, more mindful about what I do have control over. But so it's really a dance. It's really a dance between what we can control and what we can't control. And ultimately, I will tell you this, and this comes from 40 years of experience of being invested in yes. my own personal growth. I really do believe without, with every fiber of my being that the more we are committed to our own healing and our own growth, the more we make extreme self-care a, a practice mm. in our lives, we do ignite a kind of grace. We ignite an energy that supports us. When we honor our soul 
we engage with an energy that really supports that. And I think that's why certain things happen. You know, certain things happen mm-hmm. to support us in ways that we don't expect. So it's, we are co-creating with the universe all the time. And the best that we can do is be very mindful of the choices yes. that we make, knowing that we're contributing to our destiny. But I, I don't, I, I'm not of the mind that it's pre-planned. I think what is pre-planned mm. is me as a soul chose to come to the planet at this time to engage with the people I engage with, the, to live where I, you know, to engage with this physical reality in a way that will wake me up and help me to remember who I really am. Mm. I love it. I love it. I heard you say self-care, Cheryl, in this conversation a few times. Now I'm curious because that's a very specific word that not everyone uses. And uh, why is, I guess, why is self-care so important? I mean, I think we, we kind of theoretically understand, yes, got to love myself before I can love another person. You know, the, the airplane mm-hmm. analogy, put the mask on yourself before you put on another person. You know, it makes sense. But, but I think so often, we don't take care of ourselves. And especially, mm-hmm. you know, and I could be guilty of it at times, especially those of us that want to be of service, we want to make a difference, we want to have an impact. We often focus on being selfless and giving rather than taking care of ourselves. I think I read something on, this, on your website or one of your books. Uh, uh, forgive me if I'm not getting this accurate, but something mm-hmm. like selfishness leads to selflessness. And so mm-hmm. why is self-care so important? Why is it sometimes so hard, even though we know it's good for us? And how does mm-hmm. selfishness lead to selflessness when that kind of mm-hmm. seems counter to what we're taught, you know, in this spiritual, like you ought to be selfless first. Mm-hmm. Not, and selfishness is yeah. ego, and that's bad. So kind of yeah, explain yeah. That, that whole thing. Yeah, I always, I always think of selfish as a capital S, really honoring the soul. Mm. And it's about integrity. I mean, ultimately, it's about integrity. It's about are you living your life? Are you doing your best every day to evolve into a life that reflects the truth of who you are, how you feel, what's important to you at any given moment? And now this is a journey. So, Kud, if you invite me to have dinner with you on Friday night, and I say yes, and on mm-hmm. Wednesday I'm, I'm given a big project at work and suddenly I'm, you know, really busy and Thursday I'm exhausted and I think, Oh God, I've got to have dinner with Kuda on Friday night, but I'm really exhausted. It's really not in my best interest, but you know what? I know I'll really disappoint him or I made a promise or, you know, it's just, it's not appropriate for me to cancel. So then if I show up having dinner with you, not really want Mm. being there primarily because I didn't want to disappoint you, let's say, then I'm not yes. showing up fully present and from a place of love. It's out of guilt or obligation. And who wants that? I mean, honestly, if I sat down and said to you, hi, Kud, it's nice to see you. Listen, I really didn't want to come to dinner tonight. I was really <laughs> tired. I've, I've had a busy week. And, you know, I just, I, I actually wanted to stay home and get to bed early, but I didn't want to disappoint you. So that's why I'm here. I mean, how would you feel about that? Would you be like, oh, be great, lovely. Cheryl. Thanks so much for, you know, <laughs> yeah. yes, right? We don't yes. have these honest conversations. Today I do. If I've made plans mm-hmm. with a friend and I suddenly realize I can't, I will call that person up and I will say, I love you. You know I love you. 
here's what happened today, mm-hmm. and I know we've had plans to have dinner, and it, it, while I feel bad disappointing you and disappointing me, I can't make it, and I hope you understand. And those are the mm-hmm. kinds of relationships that I have in my life now where the person will say, yeah, I'm really disappointed. I was looking forward to seeing you, and I completely honor your decision to take care of yourself. So in some mm-hmm. ways, it goes back to the very beginning of our conversation, which is, If you make your outer world, your work, the people in your life, your boss, your spouse, your kids, if you make everybody else a priority over you, then number one, you're not doing them any favors. But number two, your self-care is always going to suffer because your choices are based on what the outer world needs, not what your inner world needs. And ultimately, when we're doing that, we are out of integrity. And I will tell you this as a coach. And I learned this very early on in my training. I always start with integrity. I think of it this way, Kud, almost as like a spiritual chiropractic adjustment. This goes back, by the way, to surrender Mm -hmm. and grace, right? This is where we're going to go back to surrender and grace. When you are living at your level of consciousness, whatever that is, when you are living according to your truth, every time you make a decision to be honest about something with yourself, to have your life reflect what is true for you, I'm tired, I can't have dinner, Um, I'm overwhelmed at work, I need to ask for support, whatever it might be. Whenever you make a decision to honor your truth, it's like you give yourself a spiritual chiropractic adjustment and it opens up this channel Mm -hmm. between you as a soul and the greater energy, the greater soul energy, if you will, and that's what makes life flow and it makes life work better. It just makes, it, it, it allows you to step into the flow. So, this is why self-care is important. It's about integrity. It's about really, you know, you're at a store, you're about to buy, you know, buy a new jacket for $100 when you can't pay off the debt you already have, you know, and mm. some part of you says, you know what, I really can't afford this jacket. Yeah, but I really want it. It's really pretty. Yeah, but you know what, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to get rid of my debt, and this is, and if you, if you purchase that jacket, no judgment, but just notice you are out of integrity with that action. It's not an act of self-care it's an Mm. act of self-ignoring or you know Mm. it's an act of self-betrayal let's just say it's a tiny tiny little act of self-betrayal and every time we do that every time you know you woof down a whole bunch of candy when you've been saying i need to take better care of myself it's this tiny act of self-betrayal now i don't mean any judgment about that because we're all growing and evolving, and I've eaten plenty of candy in my lifetime to finally reach <laughs> a place now where I don't do that anymore. Um, not that mm-hmm. I don't have candy. I do sometimes, but I don't. I take mm-hmm. better care of myself. So the goal is to always being, always evolving. You know, I would say to people, in my first book, Take Time for Your Life, there's two tests, the what's draining you test and the what's fueling you test. And it was based on a test I was given by my coach, Thomas Leonard, in the very beginning of my work with him. And it becomes a great way of measuring how well you're taking care of yourself, what you're, how, you're, how well you are at eliminating the things that are draining your energy, and how well you're doing with bringing more of what fuels you into your life. And that provides a very good practical measurement tool for, for your journey of self-care. And as you get, as your scores get better with those tests, your life flows more effortlessly. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm curious now, in terms of your own life, 
you talked a bit earlier, uh, Shara, uh, about the Oprah experience, the you know the disappointment. I just I'm I'm just fascinated by it. Like, and and and, and especially there's there's those that have dreams and visions. Was there a time where you felt like giving up completely this this career of coaching and being of service and maybe be, like you felt it was too hard and this is too difficult and it's because sometimes it's hard being a coach you know I, I think anyone who's yeah. in the coaching industry can, can can probably relate there's been moments of, of like is it worth mm-hmm. it can I do this and so you know in 40 years 35 years mm-hmm. did you want to give up ever in that so, moment how did you get through that moment well, so many times I've wanted to give up. You know, it reminds me of a story where uh, when I was first building my coaching practice, I was about six months into it. And um, I started building a coaching practice in a very simple way. My coach, Thomas, had said to me, make a list of 25 people you feel you can really make a difference with. Call them up. Tell them you'd love to coach them for the first 90 days. Tell them you're in training as a coach. You'd love to coach them for 90 days for free. And um, in return, you simply ask that they show up for the calls, that they do the homework, and that if it works for them, if it helps to improve their life, that they tell other people about it. Now, he had me make a list of 25 because he knew it was unlikely all 25 were going to go for it. And I remember the first five people I called said yes, and I began coaching. And so six months into it, I started to, you know, have paying clients. And I remember I was pacing in the kitchen back and forth. My husband came in and he said to me, what's going on? I said, I'm really upset. What are you upset about? He said, I said, it's been six months and I still don't have a full practice. I wanted to have 20 clients at the time. He said to me, Cheryl, it's only been six months. I said, yes, but, you know, by now I expected that I was going to have 20 clients. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think this is working. You know, I need to go back and like, get another job. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, just wait a minute. Like, take a deep breath here. And so I think... It, First of all, I think getting the perspective of someone who's sane, I'm very lucky. My husband, I'm a feeler. My husband's a thinker and he can be pretty, Mm -hmm. um, he's so much more patient than I am. So he's very thoughtful Mm -hmm. and I I turn to him when I need that kind of groundedness around me. And so I think we all need that. That's what helps us. I would say almost every single time I've wanted to give up, somebody in my life has kind of held my hand. Mm-hmm. I remember my best friend, when I wanted to give up as a coach and a writer, I remember she mm-hmm. held my hand across the table and said to me, listen, you're not going anywhere. I know you are meant to do this work. I've seen you do it. I see the impact that you have. You're just scared right now or you're just frustrated right now. I believe in you mm-hmm. and you have to lean on my belief in you while you can't believe in yourself right now. And you know, that's the way we need each other. We're not meant to do things alone. And when we feel stuck or when we feel scared or when we're questioning ourselves, there needs to be someone we can turn to. This is why the coaching of profession, uh, the, the profession of coaching is so powerful and um, popular, by the way. We need people to remind us of our greatness when we forget and who can hold our hand through the tough times because anything worth doing is going to be confrontational and it's going to challenge us. Yes. You can't invite, if we just look at the whole notion of neuroscience, you can't invite new experiences into your life, new success into your life, unless you change your neural programming because most of us are operating out of habit. And so what does that mean? Mm. It means you're going to confront your edges. You're going to confront your fear. You're going to confront your, your self-doubt. 
I mean, if you're not confronting those things, you're not growing. So sorry, you know, you got to do it. And we need, we need people around us to support us as we confront those places, you know, so. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely glad, Jill, you didn't give up and you kept going because as a result of your <laughs> perseverance, you. you know, you, you've inspired so many. And, and, and I think many who don't even know that you've inspired them just through your you know, setting the foundation. So when someone faces fear, like, like let's say uh, a coach who's beginning their career and they're facing, oh my God, I'm terrified, or, or someone wants to, they, they, they're falling in love and, and they're freaked out going, mm. oh shit, oh, 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 I, this is, I'm, I'm losing control. <laughs> this, is, this is scary. You know, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? They're being so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Or someone knows that, you know, maybe I'm in a job and I hate my job. And, I, and I, I know that I have to expand outside of what I'm doing or the life I'm living is maybe too small for what my soul is seeking to become. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, how can they, what can they do to handle, to, 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 to sort of navigate this fear and not allow the fear to, you know, blind them, hijack them, contract them? Uh, cause them to shrink. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any things mm-hmm. that, that you found really can, can help them have a relationship to this fear and move through? Yeah, there's, there's three things that everybody needs when they're afraid. Um, there's three Fs, friends, facts, and faith. So a lot of times, oh. for example, somebody, somebody will say to me, you know, I really, oh, let's take the idea of a coach building a business. You know, I've been trying to build my business. I'm really afraid I'm not going to be successful. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to get clients. And I, I'll say to them, okay, what do you need to do to get clients? Well, <laughs> you know, the training I had said I should do X, Y, and Z, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. So it sounds like you need more information. That would be facts, right? You need more mm. information. So let's, let's get you the information you need for how you – the individual will begin to build your practice because everybody's going to do it differently based on who they are. Now, who do you have that's going to support you? Do you have a coach? Do you have a support group? I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without some of the, the free support groups I started, the mastermind groups I started, you know, based on Napoleon mm. Hill's writing, Thick and Grow Rich, you, you yes. know, way back in the early 1900s, I had my own brainstorming groups, my own mastermind groups when I was very, very young before I ever coached. So do you have friends? What kind of support do you have? And when you have the right information and you're able to build a plan of action, then you, and you have the support you need to take that action, then you have to have faith. You just have to, but here's where faith is important. You have to have the faith in a power greater than you and in, in an energy greater than you in existence, in the creator, in God, whatever you want to call it, you have to have faith that there is, there is a force greater than you at work in the world. And you have to cultivate faith in yourself that you can handle whatever happens. Whether it's success or failure, you will show up for yourself. You will be there for yourself. You will be your own best champion. <clears throat> you won't give up mm-hmm. on yourself. And so we need friends, facts, and faith. And I like, you know, what I would say to you, Coot, if you, if you and I were working together and you said to me, oh, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm afraid that fear is going to get in my way, I'd say, listen, let's just tackle that before it happens, shall we? Let me give you a little assignment. For the next 30 days, mm-hmm. I want you to do something that scares you every day for 30 days. And I want you to keep track of it in a notebook or a journal. And I want you to report back mm-hmm. to me on a weekly basis what you did every single day to get very, very comfortable with being afraid. 
and that's how you begin to desensitize yourself. You know, it's like rejection. I mean, I've given people the assignment before. Somebody wants to meet a new (laughs) romantic partner. Great. Every day you have to talk to somebody you don't know. You have to ask somebody (laughs) out. Let's let's just desensitize you to being rejected. Because you have to get rejected in life. You have to be afraid. These are normal human experiences. And the more we know that we can rely on ourselves to to stand by ourselves as we go through this, the better off we're going to be, without a doubt. Mm. I love that. It's, it's, I love the, the practicality of what you're talking about because it does require action. Because I, I see sometimes, you know, sometimes people just sort of sit at home and just meditate and expect everything to just resolve. And, and I think we have to get into the field of life and take the action and face the rejection. And through the action and the feedback of the universe, that's how we grow. Um, but in terms of faith, yes, uh, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking, especially for those listening, maybe there's someone listening in who's saying, okay, sure, it's faith. Okay, great. Got it. I mean, it, it, it sounds, I need to cultivate faith. I know, but how do I cultivate faith when maybe I have no proof that I've ever done this before? Like, I want to build this thing. I want to do this thing. I want to raise an X amount of money for my business, but... I have, no, I have no proof that like my reality is not giving me any feedback for faith. Maybe someone says, Joe, mm-hmm. I'm broke. I have zero dollars in the bank account. How on earth am I going to have faith right now when everything is not helping me have faith, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so for yeah. that person who, so, who, who their reality is, is kind of opposite, how do they cultivate that faith? Like, what do they do when... They look around. Yeah, well, if you notice, when I talk about the formula, I say friends, facts, and faith in that order for a reason. Yes. Because uh-huh. if, if you're in that situation where you say, I don't have, you know, I don't have any more money, I don't have a job, I, I can't have faith that I'm going to have a job. No, of course you can't. I couldn't mm-hmm. either. But what you need right now is support, and you need information. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to you know, maybe support you in looking at job postings. Uh, doing some networking mm. for you. Um, you. You know, we are rewarded. We reward ourselves with more faithfulness when we take action without knowing the end result. I mean, that's what faith is. Faith is about, ta- faith comes from taking action without knowing the end result. And so that person, you see, it's kind of what you were referring to before. If that person's at home praying and not doing anything, mm. you're not helping yourself. Mm. You know, we've all heard that story of, you know, that, that story that I can't remember, so I won't even attempt it, but, you know, how God is trying to help somebody who's in a flood, and, you know, they keep climbing yes. up the, the house, they get to the roof, and God's like, the helicopter comes by, no, 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 God's going to save me. It's like, okay, yes. you know, I sent the firefighters, I sent the police, I sent the helicopter, like, you didn't take action. So we yes. need to be willing to reach out for support. I mean, the other thing that, all of us have to get better at is being humble and asking for help. You know, being able to say, mm. I'm scared. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do here. And I'm really, oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I, I'm, I'm ashamed that I, I can't get myself out of this. Like, you know, what am I, I just need some help. Can you help me? I mean, we all need to learn how to do that more and more. Because like I said, we need each other. We came here together for a reason. You can't live life in a vacuum. You can't develop faith without friends and without information, getting the facts, getting a plan, and 
Um, so you gotta you gotta get the order right. It starts out with support, yes. then it starts with the plan, and then faith begins to happen as a result of that. Friends, facts, and faith. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've had, Cheryl, I, I, I mean, this has been such a beautiful conversation so far, folks. If you're listening, I'm with the amazing Cheryl Richardson, and she's she's breaking down some some deep wisdom, soulful wisdom today on Soul Talk. Uh, I, I have one kind of final question for you and something I'd like you to assign the, uh, the listeners. And so, you know, you shared so much and we've kind of covered many different areas today. And so I'm curious, like if you look at your life, you said you're kind of almost 60. And if there were, let's say, three key life lessons based on all of the experience you've had in life, uh, career, relationships, successes, failures, everything you've accomplished and achieved, three key life lessons that maybe let's say you but the most important life lessons for you over the last 60 years that if you could only pass these three mm-hmm. keys to the next generation, I'm curious what these three keys would be that you feel would evolve the next generation the most. Yeah, I would say um, stay curious. Stay curious mm-hmm. about yourself and the world. Um, you know, cultivate a state of insatiable curiosity, number one. Be a lifelong learner. Everyone I've ever worked with who's much older than me and lived a long life were um, passionate about learning. They highly valued learning. And start with yourself, Mm. by the way, learning about yourself. And then the third thing I would say um, is cultivating a practice of presence. Some way in which, even if you just set an alarm on your phone for 10 minutes every day, you sit quietly and you do not get up from where you're sitting until that alarm goes off. And every time your mind tries to convince you that you need to get up to answer the door or respond to an email or whatever, you say to your mind, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm a soul, you're my servant, we're not going anywhere until that alarm goes off. And if you do that for two weeks, you will begin to feel a sense of dominion over your life that you don't have right now. So cultivating a practice of presence that hopefully extends over time, where you might go from 10 minutes to 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes twice a day, um, because we want to, from a soul perspective, we want to do whatever we can to remind ourselves of who's in charge here, and who's in charge is always the soul. I love it. I love it. So folks, stay curious about yourself and the world. Be a lifelong learner and cultivate a practice of presence. You are a soul mm-hmm. yeah, in this lifetime and remember that. That's, that's beautiful. You know, sure, I, I, would, I, I really love these interviews to, to, to be practical. You shared a lot of practical uh, advice as well uh, in this conversation. It, as those listening in, if there's, if there's a homework assignment that you could assign everyone listening, something that they could like, literally immediately do as an actionable thing right now, that might uh, open them or forward them in some way? What's one thing each listener could immediately do, right? literally right now as a result of listening to this conversation? Um, get yourself a little notebook or take a piece of paper, but ultimately get yourself just a little notebook, one that you can carry easily carry around with you, and make a point every single day to just write down five moments of beauty, five moments of um, five ways that you were touched in one day. Just begin that practice. Every single day in a little notebook, maybe you do it before you go to bed, maybe you do it when you wake up, maybe you jot it down throughout the day, but five ways life has touched you. Um, and I promise you that, you know, in the course of a couple of months, you're going to see the world differently and you're going to be in the world differently. 
you to. That would be my homework. Folks, you, <laughs> you, heard, the, you heard the homework assignment from Cheryl Richardson. Definitely make sure you do it. Shoot me an email at coopblackson at coopblackson.com. I, I, wa- I want to know uh, some of your key takeaways from today's uh, show and uh, today's episode. Uh, I'd love to know how the homework assignment goes. Cheryl, what's the best way, you know, if people want to connect with you, find out about your work and your events, uh, what's the best way people can find out about uh, what you're up to and, and all of that good stuff? What's the best website? Yeah. My website is CherylRichardson.com. Nice and easy to remember. Um, everything is yeah. there. We're, we're about to launch a new site, so, um, but everything is right up there on the old site, and we'll be there on the new site when it's launched in, within this month. So, yeah, that's the best place to learn more. Awesome, awesome. Folks, CherylRichardson.com. We will put that, the link in the show notes. I want to highly encourage you to check out her work and, and also her amazing, amazing books, uh, everything range, ranging from Take Time for Your Life, Life Makeover, Stand Up for Your Life, The Unmistakable Touch of Grace, The Art of Extreme Self-Care. That's one I haven't read, so Cheryl, I'm going to go read that in the next week or so, and I can't wait to, to check that one out. Cheryl, thank you for just sharing and coming on. And, uh, You're you know, so I just want to really you acknowledge you. Coot. I just want to acknowledge you again, Cheryl, because one thing I didn't know was uh, your involvement, you know, 30 years ago in the sort of coaching foundational building, you know, uh, a- a- area with, with folks like Thomas Leonard. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm a beneficiary of a lot of your hard work. And so just thank mm-hmm. you for paving the way, being a trailblazer, you know, from my heart to yours. A deep appreciation yeah. because, you know, I, I, I stand on shoulders like folks like yourself. And so, big hug. Thank you for coming on to Soul Talk. And uh, folks, you, I told you, yes, thank you, Cheryl. Folks, I told you this was going to be a very special episode. Please download this episode, share it with your friends, and definitely check out uh, CherylRichardson.com. I think you'll be enlightened and inspired. Let me know how you enjoyed this episode, and I will catch you on the next episode of Soul Talk. Love now, everyone. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know, and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week, where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.